0: Cool guy. feels good to be 39 and still a really cool guy. Would anybody object if I took my coat off? Okay, now let me tell you something. If anybody has issues with wrinkled shirts, take it up with Jesus because if it's going to distract you, you might as well go ahead and leave now. Um, yeah, thanks for, thanks for having me to, um, today. I appreciate it. Pastor Palmer, I know you, you have been in good hands um, the last several months with him, and it's so glad to hear that now you have a full-time pastor on the way. I, uh, I actually grew up here in North Hill, and so uh, going back, Evangel, Celebration, you guys have had a, a wonderful history and legacy as a great church. And my prayer will be that, uh, that maybe even some of your best days will be ahead of you as your new pastor comes and his wife. And it uh, just seems like there's just even an, uh, an, an atmosphere to, to receive them and uh, already to accept their leadership. So you can take your Bible. I'm going to kind of be all over the place today. I'm not going to speak from one uh, particular passage. So I'm going to kind of be all over the place today. Pastor Palmer was very thorough when he sent me uh, directions about today. Some of you, I guess, have experienced this thoroughness. He said I had an hour and a half to speak, so if somebody could let me know in 90 minutes, I'll, I'll be done. Actually, Leah, if you can give me the at 40 minutes. I might be a good speaker, but I'm a bit long-winded, too. Today, I want to speak about grace. Um, For some of you, this may be a revisit. You have followed Christ for the better part of your life. You could take me to the place. You could take me to that moment. Maybe it was 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago where you experienced God's grace for the first time. As a way of reminder, when you look at the book of Ephesians, chapter 2, verse 8, you don't need to turn there yet. And this morning I'll be using the New Living Translation, if yours maybe reads a little bit differently. When the Apostle Paul says, God saved you by his grace when you believed. Translation you might have. You've been saved by grace through... Three people got that. You've been saved by grace through faith. Through faith and you can't take credit for this it is a gift of god you may know this this is probably a rehash for you that that grace it's its favor it's goodwill it's 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 an unmerited gift it's something that we cannot we can't earn no matter how hard we try we can't earn it we can't we can't do anything that's going to cause us to have to get more of god's grace or less of god's grace it's unmerited it comes uh, because of nothing that we've done. I read a story uh, about Mayor LaGuardia in New York who had this had this history of going out late at night and walking amongst the streets and being amongst the people and things like that. And one night he goes out uh, and he, he stops by the night court and decides to hold court. And uh, he goes in and he sits down and there's this little old lady that's been brought into court. There's charges... Kind of being pressed against her, it was. It was uh, people were poor around the city and things like that. And this store owner was pressing charges against her for stealing bread, and it was something that was just you know it was like ten dollars worth of bread or something like that. And uh, no matter what they did, they couldn't get the store owner to drop the charges. Listen, we got to teach her a lesson. If, if we don't teach her a lesson, then everybody else is going to think that they can just come by and steal bread and we just cannot do that. So uh, we've got to teach her a lesson and they couldn't get her to drop the charges. And so, uh, so the mayor uh, asked the lady, he said, well, it's gonna be 10 days in jail or $10. What are you gonna do? And she said, I'm gonna do $10. Uh, Before she even had said that she was going to accept the $10, he had reached in his wallet and he had pulled out a $10 and he said, but I'm going to pay your penalty for you. And he puts a $10 plate, $10 in the, in the, in the bucket. And uh, he proceeds to tell every single other person in the courtroom that they are now going to contribute back to this lady as well. And he said, it's a shame that there would be somebody in our city that would be this poor that they would have to steal bread. So we're not going to allow her to steal bread anymore. So every single one of you cough up 50 cents, including the guy that had pressed the charges. And when it was all said and done, the judge had paid her debts and she walked away with (laughs) $47.50, including from the store owner who was pressing the charges. Charles Spurgeon said this. He said, you've not given me what I deserved. You've given me what I needed. Some of you could tell me your story of before you received God's grace. You could tell me your story and even to today, maybe it was 20 years ago, maybe it was 60 years ago, who knows what it was, maybe it was last week. You could tell me your story and, and, and you know, you know that moment when you experienced God's grace that you did not get what you deserved, you got what you needed in that moment. This morning, I don't want to focus so much on God's grace as it relates to salvation, but I want to focus on what God's grace means to us after we've received that grace. Take your Bible, if you would, and turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. we'll be right here, right all up into your face. Is that okay? I only spit every third point, so. Good thing I only got four points today. You're good. First thing that I want to talk about is God's grace, if you're taking notes, God's grace equals our freedom. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 16 and 17 says, So we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. How differently we know him now. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. How many of you can tell a story about an old life, but when you experience God's grace, you were a new life? The old life is gone. In some translations, it would say the old life has passed away. I want you to get the picture of of what that means, if you think about it in the original context of the Greek there. The old life is gone. The new life has come. I want you to picture, you guys chose to sit on the front row. I'm sorry. Can you go put your stuff down for a second here? Can you go over there? You go over there. Don't follow him. You go over there. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> don't go too. You don't go out the door. Gee whiz. Uh, okay. So so here's what I, here's what I what I want you to picture the picture of what this what this passage kind of lays out. The old life is gone. The old life has passed away. So I just want you guys to just just walk at each other. Just just keep on walking, walk and just walk past each other. No high fives or anything like that. But so this is now turn back around and walk walk past back past each other again. They're moving in opposite directions. The picture that is being painted here is that the new life has passed, the new life is gone, it is headed in the opposite directions like two cars that are passing each other. So you are moving as you accept God's grace, you are moving towards Christ, and the old you is moving away. You get the picture? Walk past each other one more time. Just look at the picture one more time. It is you're walking, it's not like, hey, we just kind of just no, we're moving in complete opposite directions. Thanks, guys. Give them a hand clap there for a second. And the word new means it's it's a new kind, it's uncommon, it's unprecedented. It's something, it's not just like a like a revamp. It's not the new that we would define as the Cleveland Browns, the new that they define every year, which just is worse. Uh, you know, it's, it's new. It's an overhaul. It's unprecedented. Look at this in Galatians chapter 5, verse 4. You don't have to flip there. Just listen to it. For If you are trying to make yourselves right with God by keeping the law, you have been cut off from Christ. You have fallen away from God's grace. When we try to go at it alone, when we try to go at becoming like Christ alone, we're severing ourselves from God's grace. Remember the point. God's grace equals our freedom. So just to apply this and put a fine point on this point right here, if you are a person, don't sit on my water and don't block it, or you and I and Jesus will have to have a conversation. Okay, there we go. Does he belong to you? He's in for a day right here. (laughs) Um, If you are a person who you're here, maybe you accepted Christ a long time ago. But that, that word, old word, new word, that walk of sanctification, that walk of becoming like Christ is something you're trying to do on your own. Stop it. We cannot white-knuckle becoming like Jesus. Forget it. Becoming like Jesus is only going to happen as we lean into, fall into his grace and allow his grace to grow in our lives and we will then become more like him. I want you to think about this for a second. How many of you have ever heard of Juneteenth Day? You've heard of this? So in January 1st of 1863, President Abraham Lincoln signed the Emancipation Proclamation freeing the slaves. Ju- January 1st, 1863, he signs the document that ends slavery and frees every person who is, in, is a slave. There's speculation throughout history why this is the case. But it wasn't until June 19th, 1865, two and a half years later, that the slaves in the state of Texas got the word and were able to go free. For two and a half years, the slaves in the state of Texas had freedom and they didn't know about it. Like I said, there's speculation that, that somehow the message didn't get there. Somehow the message did, did get there, and it was kept from the slaves, and they didn't know. And, and so it was, it was these people who said, well, we know about this message, but they don't know about it, so we're not going to. It doesn't matter. What matters is is that for two and a half years, they could have known freedom and didn't because they didn't know. And this morning, I just want to just put a fine point on this and say to you that as you've accepted God's grace your freedom is there you no longer have to wonder man we're, you know, I'm, I'm bound up in this thing I'm, you know, I'm dealing with this so I'm dealing with that you have freedom now walk in it are you with me are you with me six people awesome we'll go up to 12 on the next point God's grace equals second point our commitment The fact that God has shown us His grace is reason in itself for us to commit to becoming like Him. Take your Bible and turn to Romans chapter 6 real quick. When When you're there, give me a I'm there. Are you there? Sweet. Verses 1 and 2, probably very familiar to you. Well then, should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? Of course not. Since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? Should we go on sinning. Should we keep on sinning? That phrase keep on sinning has this idea of staying within something, staying in it, staying there. Should we keep on doing this? It has this picture of I'm still taking up residence there and the scriptures saying no, you've experienced God's grace. Now it's time for us to make a commitment. Are you with me? All right, so I need some volunteers. You three will do. Leah You'll do, come here. All right, Um, uh, go ahead and stand. It's okay, don't be shy. Uh, Tiffany Price, come here. I'm sorry, if you're a familiar face to me today, you're getting picked. So which one of these is worthy of playing Jesus? Let's not vote on that one, you are. Go over here. So I want you to to picture this for just a moment, just stand right there, good, thanks, Jesus. I want you to picture this for, for just a moment. Be patient and don't make faces behind my back. Okay. I want you to picture this for just a moment. For the longest time as a part of my walk with Christ, I used to think of my, my walk with Christ uh, just as a you have to fit into a certain criteria to be a Christian. I had to act a certain way. I had to look a certain way. I had to talk a certain way. And if people did not act, talk, and, and, and look like I did or believe what I did, then somehow we were in different ballparks. Are you with me? And I continued to, to walk in my journey with the Lord and, and, and walk with him and walk with him. And, and I begin and then somebody a couple years ago painted a completely different picture for me. They painted this picture of of, less the, of of my relationship. They defined it as where I was at Is my relationship was kind of like this box. It was this rectangle. If you fit inside of this box, this square, which meant you looked like I did and talked like I did and believed what I did and, and acted like I did, then we were all cool. That was it. it was, we were all in there and we were all Christians. We were all good. They painted a different picture for me and said, well, what if potentially we took away the box, we put a dot on the page and a bunch of arrows that were pointed towards that dot? Are you with me? Okay, so I want you to see this just for a second. You're still good, Jesus, right? Okay, so come here a second. What's your name? Caleb. Caleb. All right, Caleb, I want you to stand here and I want you to just look at Jesus. Good job. All right. You, you belong to Jesus, right? Yeah. Okay, so look at her. All right. <laughs> all right. And then, and then I want you to come up here because you're probably a lot like Jesus. We, we hope and pray. And then you can just stay right here. So I used to think, if you're with me, that as long as we were all together in the same little particular area. It's okay. I'm safe. Um, that If we were all in the same particular area, we looked alike, talked alike, believed, and everything like that. that we, we were cool. We were all Christians. I began to picture it, though, this way. What if we're all pointed in the direction of Christ, we're all on a journey to become like Christ, but we're all at a different spot in our journey of becoming like Christ? So there were going to be people that were going to look and act and talk a little bit differently than me because they were a little bit closer to Christ than I was. But then there were maybe there were people that were as they were a part of their journey, and they we we looked and probably talked and believed and acted very similar because we were in a very similar place in our journey with Christ. And then there were the people that were really far away. Well. and they were they were pointed, they looked and talked and acted differently and believed and they were searching and they were grappling. But the point is we were all pointed in the direction of Christ. We were all on that journey of becoming like Him. Now could we all is, is could that all kind of work together? We didn't have to act alike talk the same, things like that, we were in the, pointed in the direction of Christ to become like him. And then we, you know, there would be points where maybe there would be people who would would walk along the journey and, don't get too ambitious now, I'm becoming like Jesus, I'm just going to go right past on everybody, and we were all going, and even along the way, That's the goal. Okay. Even along the way, we would would pick up people along the way, and we would link arms, and we would be becoming like Christ together. Are you with me? That became much more, I guess, pleasing to my palate because I'm like, wow, you don't have to talk like me. You and I can believe a little bit different as far as it relates to Scripture we're not gonna. The one thing we have to agree on is that Jesus is the only way to heaven. We have to agree on that. We have to agree there. But you may believe a little bit differently than me as it relates to when Jesus is going to come back. You may believe a little bit differently than me as it relates to alcohol or uh, or divine healing or whatever but we're all working out our salvation with fear and trembling, and we're all just trying to become like Christ. And we're all trying to do it together. Are you with me? You guys can sit down. So the commitment this morning is, the commitment this morning is, is God's grace equals our commitment to to centering our compass on him, centering our GPS on him, And seeking to become like him. Are you picking up what I'm laying down this morning? Galatians 2.21 says, I do not treat the grace of God as meaningless, for if keeping the law could make us right with God, then there was no need for Christ to die. Another translation says, I do not nullify the grace of God. The word, the word nullify means to, to really to, to put aside, to disregard. Uh, it's, that, it's that commitment that we make is to continue to hold God, God's grace as holy and sacred as we're moving closer to him. We keep holding it holy and sacred as we're moving close to him because that we're committed to doing that. We're committed not just to receive all the grace that we can receive from him, but we're committed to becoming like him. Point number three. God's grace equals our growth. Second Peter three, eighteen. Go ahead and turn there. Are you there? Second Peter, Chapter three, verse eighteen, says. Rather, you must grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Rather, you must grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You've received God's grace, now grow in it. I want to give you a picture here for a second. Picture for, for a moment the house you live in. Close your eyes for just a second if you feel comfortable. I'm making faces at you and you can't see me. No, just kidding. Close your eyes. I want you to picture picture your house, that place that you live, that apartment, town, whatever it is. Now, picture your living room, maybe your bathroom, your bedroom, your dining room. All of us have dirty basements, so don't picture that. Listen, just listen for a minute to the, the creaks and the noises of your house. When they happen, you know what they are. What does it sound like when the garage door goes up? You know that toilet, you have to jiggle the handle on it every single time, and only you know that. Got that picture? All right, look at me for a second. So, I want you to think about this just just for a moment. I want to draw uh, all analogies and pictures are are imperfect, but but I want you to think about this just for a moment. I want you to picture the the door to your house, and think of the door to your house, would it be your front door, that primary door that you come in? Picture that as as faith. The door to your house is faith, and your house is God's grace. So, we've been saved by grace through, through faith. So, picture this just for, for, for a moment. Once again, I said, is there anything scary out this door? Are you, are you sure? 100 kids? Holy cow. Uh, no. So, picture it for a moment. You've been saved by grace through faith. So, I'm. Grace coming into grace, but it's through my faith because I've believed, yes? So the longer you <clears throat> have lived in your house, the more you know what the furnace sounds like when it kicks on, the sump pump kicks on, you know what it is, you, there's, a, there's, an, there's a noise that happens and for someone that is there for the first time, it kind of, stu- oh, what was that? Oh, that's, that's, that's just the well kicking on and you, you know what it is you know the oddities you're, you're comfortable in your house you know unless the kids move something that if you were to get out of bed and walk through the house in the middle of the night to get a drink of water in a kitchen that you know I'm going to walk this far and I better take a sharp left or I'm going to stub my toe here you know where things are at and, and, and the noises and the oddities and stuff like that are you with me? So I want you to think, let's go back to God's grace for a moment. So you've been saved by grace through faith. So this is talking about growing in the grace of God. So you come into God's grace, you accept that grace through faith, and you begin to take up a sort of habitation in his grace. Are you with me? You take up this habitation in his grace, and the longer that you are with him, the longer that you are, have set up this dwelling space, this habitation in his grace, the more you know, the more you can, that you, you hear his heartbeat, the more you know what he does, the more you, more you begin to know that what, what he's saying in your, your, your ear becomes more in tune to his voice and you, you know how to walk and you know that, that if, if you're going to be walking in this particular scenario that you're going to have to make a sharp left here because you've known the more you've, that you've stubbed your toe so many times walking into that situation but you've lived in God's grace long enough that you've inhabited there that man, I, I know that there's something on the horizon I better take a left hand turn and walk a different direction to get where I'm going are you with me? So as we accept God's grace for the first time through faith, we walk into that house and we take up residence. And we begin to grow, what does the scripture say? In that grace. Our growth is going to be, we're going to become more comfortable with him in his presence. We're going to know what his presence means and what his voice sounds like, what his heartbeat sounds like, what his direction is, what his leading is, where, why he's placed things in our lives and where they're located at. Now, there's a difference between visiting and taking up a residence. Residence. If someone comes into your house, my oldest, is turning 16 today. Jesus, help us all. <laughs> oh. He wants to drive, but he's, his mouth. Oh, okay. <clears throat> Somebody that, so there's going to be later on today, however many different people, I'm gonna stay by the adults and all the other insane 16 year olds are gonna go to the bonfire. They're gonna come into my house and they're gonna visit my house and then they're gonna leave. I, they're gonna come in and they're gonna go, hey, uh, hey, Mr. Moorhand, where's, where's, uh, where's the bathroom at? Oh, it's down the hall to the right. Hey, Mr. Morehand, where's where's the bedroom at? Stay away from there. <laughs> Hey, Mr. Moorhan, can I go to your basement? Are you, you want me to shoot you? No. Where's, where's, where's this at? Oh, hey, Mr. Moorhan, I just heard this noise. What is that noise? They're going to ask me because I live there. They don't know. Unless we set up a residence and a habitation in God's presence and in his grace, we're not going to begin to know his presence, his grace who he is his character if we only visit are you with me so your your verse your hand is there flip over to second peter chapter 1 verse 2 May God give you more and more grace and peace as you grow in your knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. May God give you more and more grace and peace as you grow in your knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. Growing in God's grace is going to require us to begin to show the type of grace that he showed. The closer we become to Jesus, there's going to be a lot of evidences there. You can go to the book of Galatians. It's going to be evidenced by the fruits of the Spirit. There's going to be a lot of evidence that you are growing closer and closer to Jesus. The two I want to focus on from this particular passage here is grace and peace. The closer we become to Christ... There should be more peace and more grace in our life. Notice I said there should be more peace. That's not, I'm not saying that there's going to be less junk. Sometimes, in some cases, there might be even more and more junk. There might be fights, battles. There may not be less sickness, there may be more sickness, we never know. I'm not saying that. There may be more trials, there may be more storms, I'm not saying that. The closer we become to Christ though, it's not that the trials, the storms, the struggles and all that stops, it's that the peace that we experience in the midst of those should become more and more. And that we're able to settle into that peace in spite of the place that we're in. The second thing is, is that he will give us more and more grace and peace. So we should, there should be the evidence of more peace there, but there should also be the evidence of more grace. The closer we become to Christ, the more gracious we should be. The closer we become to Christ, as we've lived in his grace, the more gracious people we should be. Our words should be softer with people. Our actions towards people should be softer. I'm not saying there there is that place in Scripture. I'm not saying that there should be that lack of potential confrontation or, or situations where you have to address things. I'm not saying, I'm not saying that at all. What I'm saying is, is in the, even in the midst of those confrontations and those situations there should be more of a tone of grace to our voice. Even the scripture says we should speak the truth but we should speak it in love. So there will be moments where we have confrontation but we should be able to look back where we were and where we're moving to and see that the way I handled that confrontation there is not the way that I'm handling that confrontation now. How many of you guys have one of those people in your life, maybe it's a boss or a parent or mentor or somebody, where they can scold you, they can kind of correct you. You walk away with a smile on your face only to get down the road and go, wait a second, I think I just got yelled at. Anybody have any of those people? I have a couple of those. i, I, I walk away and I'll go, wait a second, they just yelled at me. And I liked it. Grace. Our life, the more we live and grow in God's grace, the more grace and peace that should be evidenced in our life. The last thing that I want to talk about here is God's grace equals our strength. You have, first of all, that God's grace equals our freedom. The second thing you have is that God's grace equals our commitment. The third thing we have is that God's grace equals our growth. And the last thing is is that God's grace equals our commitment. 2 Timothy 2, verse 1 says, Timothy, my dear son, be strong through the grace that God gives you in Christ Jesus. That word strong, the the definition of the word strong there is what they're saying. It's a receiving of strength, it's to be strengthened. So he's saying, Timothy, my dear son, receive strength. Be strengthened through the grace that God gives you in Christ Jesus. Hebrews 13, 9 says, so do not be attracted by strange new ideas. Your strength comes from God's grace, not from rules about food which don't help those who follow them. So do not be attracted by strange new ideas. Your strength, that word there, strength, or in some translations, strengthen, is to make firm or to confirm. Your your ability to be firm, your ability to be confirmed, comes from God's grace. We are strengthened in God's grace, through God's grace, not by the rules, the regulations, and the policies, and the procedures that we set up. As Christians, the man made things that we sometimes set up. James 4, verse 6 says, But he gives us even more grace to stand against such evil desires. As the scriptures say, God opposes the proud but favors the humble. Even more grace. Or some translations say, just say more. But he gives us even more grace. Some translations say, but he gives us more grace. It's the Greek word megas, mega. Gives us big grace, lots of grace, to stand against such evil desires. Take your Bible. This is the last scripture we're going to focus on today. and I'm rounding third and heading home. Second Corinthians chapter 12. Hope you hope you're grabbing some little nugget of truth that you can take away today. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 8, 9, and 10. Are you there? Three different times I begged the Lord to take it away. Each time he said, my grace is all you need. My power works best. weakness. So now I am glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in the insults, hardships, persecutions, and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. So there have been Scholars, theologians, since the writing of Scripture, that have talked about this particular passage. They've talked about this passage where Paul says, "I have this 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 thorn in my side, this thorn in my flesh." God, take it away from me. There has been. So much speculation over the years. Well, what was that thorn? It was an eye disease that he had. It was it was a, another person that was there that was causing him issues and troubles and things like that. It was a disease. What the importance this morning is not what was the thorn, because we could go through this sanctuary with the people that are here and you could define for me what your thorn is. You could define for me, some of you would define for me a thorn that is a person. You, could, you, you would put a human name to your thorn. I hope there was not a wife that just elbowed your husband. <clears throat> There's some of you who, who you, could, you could put a sickness name on the thorn that you have. There's some of you who, who, who maybe you would put an addiction uh, name to that thorn that you have. and You have prayed and prayed and prayed, God, take it away from me. Take this person away from me. Take this sickness away from me. Take this addiction away from me. Take this, whatever it is, whatever name you put on that thorn, you've prayed over and over and over throughout the years, take this from me. And it's still there. I want you to just think about this for a moment this morning as it relates to this pattern passage, your thorn in God's grace. What if I told you that thorn's never going to go away? What if I told you that sickness or that addiction that you struggle with or that person, what, whatever the name was that you gave it. What if I told you it was never gonna go away? That it was going to be there until Jesus came back or the day you died? Discouraging? You mean I'm gonna you mean I'm gonna fight with this? What if on top of that, I echoed the words of Jesus and said, but my grace is enough. It's going to be there. But his grace is sufficient. Because in your weakness, in the middle of fighting that thorn, whatever the name of that thorn is, right in the middle of it, in the weakest part of that, You're going to experience his strength. Discouraging anymore? Does it give you a little giddy-up, a little oomph in your fight to know that his grace is sufficient? That, that, That you're going to fight through that. His grace is sufficient, but you're fighting through that. You're becoming more like Christ. And what is two things that are evidenced by our becoming more like Christ, grace and, His grace is sufficient, but you'll know more and more peace in the middle of the fight. So can I encourage you today? Can I encourage you today to no matter what the thorn is, no matter what it is, no matter what name you put on it, as we talked about it two minutes ago, do not be discouraged in the fight. Do not be, be overcome by the struggle. Do not be overcome by the, by the fight and the struggle and the, the wrestling that you're in. But know this morning... Know this morning and allow this morning the words to leap off the page and become more than just words on the page, but allow them to become an experience for you and allow God's voice to whisper in your ear, my grace is all you need. Because his grace equals your freedom. His grace equals our commitment his grace is our growth and his grace is our strength you've experienced it now grow in it you've experienced it now lean into it and allow it to envelop you You've experienced it for the first time in salvation. Now lean into it and let him embrace you with his grace as you continue on in your journey of becoming like Christ. Amen.